Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in Jaguars show. I'm Justin Dunk, joined by ESPN Cincinnati's Mo Egger. We're breaking down Jacksonville's Week 13 matchup with the Bengals. Let's get to it. The Jags, 8-3, and three, make their first appearance on Monday Night Football since 2011, if you can believe it, since he travels to the bank for an 8.15 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. Can the Bengals, at 5-6, and six, compete without Joe Burrow at quarterback? Well, if, uh, if Sunday is any indication, the answer is, is no. Uh, you know, you knew that was going to be a close game. You knew Pittsburgh wasn't really capable of putting up a lot of points, but... I think the two sobering things about that game, you know, the Bengals want to play a bend but don't break defense, and that's what most NFL teams do against good offenses. But you're not supposed to bend that much against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh gained over 400 yards of offense, outgained a team for the first time this year. And so that's problematic for a Bengals defense that now six times this season has given up given up over 150 yards on the ground. This I think we thought coming into the year was going to be a good defensive team, a good defense, a good defense capable of, of slowing teams down on the ground. Uh, and obviously the importance of that is amplified when you don't have your MVP caliber quarterback. So they didn't against Pittsburgh. The other sobering thing about that game, though, was not that the Bengals couldn't run the ball. It's that they made no real attempt to. Now, you might say, well, you know, Pittsburgh's good against the run. Pittsburgh's going to go out of their way to take away the running game when they're playing a backup quarterback. But there was a, I think, a really startling lack of creativity with the run game and a really sobering admission by the coach, uh, Zach Taylor, after the game that, hey, look, basically, we didn't have any ideas. We didn't have any real way that we could beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on the ground. Well, if you're not going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on the ground, then you're putting the game in the hands of a backup quarterback who's making his first NFL start, which Jake Browning was. He played okay-ish, I guess, but a guy like that is simply not good enough to win a game like that. Now, you, you take a better team in Jacksonville, you take a less friendly environment because they're going to be on the road. Uh, it was an uphill battle against Pittsburgh at home. It's an even more uphill battle against the Jags on the road. Doug Peterson's teams do well in prime time. He's got a 21 and eight win loss record in night games. The best mark for any head coach in the NFL over the past 20 years. Now, Mo, Cincinnati's been in a bunch of prime time games. Obviously, they had that Super Bowl peer appearance, excuse me, against LA. Yes, that was with Joe Burrow, but can them playing in those prime time games, even though Burrow isn't in this matchup, help the Bengals be competitive on Monday night? I think what's going to help the Bengals be competitive on Monday night is they're going to have to get better performances on the line of scrimmage. Um, and that's regardless of whether the game is at one o'clock, four o'clock, eight o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter. Look, I, I think what we're dealing with here is you, you take away Superman. Now, what does it look like? Do the coaches get exposed? Does the roster get exposed? Uh, do minor deficiencies become glaring holes um, without Joe Burrow? Uh, I, I, I think that's what we're all trying to figure out here. Um, and, and how much has he masked what they aren't or what they don't do well? You know, I, I think what's among the things that's troubling about the Bengals without Joe Burrow is they made the Super Bowl two years ago 
not in spite of him by any stretch, but it really was on the strength of very good defense, elite special teams play. Uh, and Joe not screwing it up because he was playing behind a bad offensive line. Well, here we are two years later, and it doesn't appear that they're capable of of winning without Joe. It doesn't appear that the coaching staff, and we're only judging this on on one game, it, it doesn't appear that the coaching staff is is capable of of figuring out ways to to win without Joe. And you know, also what we're dealing with is a bit of a referendum on the front office and the coaching staff in relation to how they've handled the backup quarterback spot, because, you know, Jake Browning and Trevor Simeon engaged in a backup quarterback battle. If you, I would label it more of a pillow fight during training camp. (laughs) Um, And Jake emerged as the guy, but you know, we all kind of wondered like, all right, well, does it make sense to go get somebody who's actually, I don't know, thrown a pass in an NFL game before if the idea is to win the Super Bowl this year and you know that sort of got dismissed with uh, the assurance that hey look Jake has been in the system for a couple of years because he's been on their practice squad and the coaches really like him and well okay uh but you know when push comes to shove and you're playing the Baltimore Ravens and suddenly you don't have your starting quarterback how are you going to feel when that guy jogs out onto the field and has to win a game for you if it's Jake Browning, not so good. If it's somebody who has a little bit more experience, maybe you feel a little bit better. And so I, I think his uh, his performances, not just against Pittsburgh, but also against Jacksonville and moving forward, are, are going to reveal a lot about whether this staff and this front office got it right in relation to a position that I feel like all summer long way too many people overlooked. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action remember to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online it's where the game starts mo the jags injury report really the focus is about left tackle cam robinson he's been placed on injured reserve with a left knee injury you can expect walker little to start at left tackle he started the first four games of the season for Jacksonville at that spot while Robinson was serving his suspension. Ezra Cleveland is expected to start at left guard. He came in during that win against the Texans when Little bumped out to left tackle. Can you give us a look at the Bengals and their injury situation, of course, outside of Burrow going into this game? Yeah, obviously the big one is Joe Burrow, but you know he he's not going to play. Had surgery on Monday. I think uh, the three to pay closest attention to start with T. Higgins, who's missed the last three games. He's had a really rough year. Uh, started the season by not getting a contract extension, then performed poorly at the start of the season, then busted a rib, then came back, uh, and then subsequent to that, uh, uh, pulled a hamstring in practice. And so he's missed three games. Um, even when the Bengals have Joe Burrow, their identity is their ability to, to throw the ball to their two star wide receivers. 
without Joe Burrow, it amplifies T's importance. It's going to be interesting to see what his progression looks like this week. And then there's two guys on defense, uh, both of whom I think are really important. Cam Taylor Britt, second-year corner, injured a quad against Baltimore, didn't play against Pittsburgh. Uh, he has made, over the last two seasons, a number of really big plays at critical moments, uh, moments that have turned games around, moments that have won games. You know, the Bengals' defense, we we use the term bend but don't break a lot. Typically, when they've bent, they haven't broken because Cam Taylor Britt has made a play. So uh, that's going to be something worth watching. And then uh, Logan Wilson. Logan Wilson is their best uh, cover linebacker. I think he's one of the best cover linebackers in the NFL. He suffered a sprained ankle uh, in the game against Pittsburgh. And, you know, they had a hard enough time covering Pat Fryermuth last week with Logan Wilson. Uh, without him, it really puts the onus on Jermaine Pratt and guys lower on the death chart. Those are the three that I would pay closest attention to. They really could use all three. If they don't have all three, Boy, again, a, a really tough uphill battle gets even more difficult. I'm curious because there's so much talk about Lou Anarumo and his defense. What challenges can he pose for Trevor Lawrence and the Jags offense? Well, at their best, when they're at their absolute best, Trey Hendrickson is wreaking havoc. You know, he he is not he's not in that Nick Bosa uh Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, you know, pantheon of, of guys who can come off the edge. But I think he's just a rung below. And and he at times this year has been just terrific. He's been a great addition to the team since he got here in 2021. He at times has been the Bengals pass rush, which is is troubling considering that that's the area that they addressed in the first round of the draft. I think the thing about this defense, there's there's a little bit of a lack of a defensive identity. And when I say that, that's not all bad. You know, I mean, they, they haven't really been weak in any one area. But I also don't think opposing offensive coordinators go into games going, oh, my God look at this secondary, how do we challenge it? Or, holy crap, there's no way we can slow down this pass rush. Or, oh my God, these guys are going to be a terror to run against. Uh, they've been easy to run against this year. What Lou Anarumo's defenses have have always been, when they've been at their best, very fundamentally sound, no assignment mistakes. You don't see you know, football coaches talk about it all the time, guys trying to do too much. You don't see that stuff here. Um but it's a defense that does lack star power to a degree, especially without Jesse Bates and, and Von Bell, who both left in free agency. I think this team's defense has a lot of long-term upside in the secondary. We talked about Cam Taylor Britt, but also Jordan Battle, a safety, Dax Hill, a safety, DJ Turner, a corner. But it's a young secondary. Uh, and young secondary, with a young secondary, you have to deal with the highs and the lows. And so... You know, I wonder about good quarterbacks and good passing offenses here down the stretch uh, when the Bengals are going to have to be better on defense because of what they don't have at quarterback. Does that get exposed a little bit? I think the most baffling thing about the Bengals on defense, I just talked about it, you know, how easy they've been to run against. Uh, DJ Reader has spent a lot of time, I think, really playing as one of the, the more unheralded inside defensive linemen in the sport. 
that that's really kind of falling apart this year. So have the Bengals up front. This defensive line is supposed to be one of the strengths of the team. This year it really hasn't been, and it's been perplexing because for the most part it's the same guys that they've had as they uh, went to back-to-back AFC championship games. Trevor Lawrence, I'm sure, is looking to take advantage of that young secondary you mentioned, especially coming off a season best 364 yards in the air in the 24-21 Week 12 win against Houston. And Lawrence on third down, 8 of 11 for 119 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, with a 138.1 passer rating against Houston on that critical <coughs> money down. You really seem to get in a groove with Calvin Ridley in that game. It's kind of been hot and cold with these two, and especially Ridley throughout the season. Ridley had a perfect passer rating against Houston when he was targeted, 158.3, and five receptions on six targets for 89 yards in a touchdown. Is there anyone in that secondary right now that can match up mano a mano with Ridley? I would love to see DJ Turner get a shot. Now, he, he's a rookie, a second-round second, second round draft choice from Michigan. Um, I, I think the term shutdown corner is, is really overused, but he spent all of training camp uh, going head-to-head and wanting to go head-to-head with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Uh, and, and I think that's really I think that's really paid off as the season has unfolded here. Uh, I think athletically it would be – Really, really interesting to see if a guy with his athletic profile and long-term upside can, in in a game like this, rise to that challenge. Um, you know, the obvious name that a lot of people are going to say is Chidobe Awuzie, but I would love to see DJ Turner has had moments this year. Um, you know, he had a play against the Houston Texans in a game that they came back and nearly won. Uh, that was as good of a play on the ball from a DB as I've seen all season long. I would like to see what it looks like if if DJ got a chance to run down the field consistently all all night long with uh, with Calvin. Let's flip this around for a second because I think an interesting matchup for Jaguars fans is going to be Darius Williams on Jamar Chase. Tyson mm-hmm. Campbell's been out for a little while here dealing sort of with this nagging lower body injury that he's had. And Williams has played at I think an underrated high level how effective can chase be with browning as his qb well um i think part of that gets answered by do they have t higgins because obviously if you don't have t higgins there are different things you can do on defense with jamar that you would be a little less willing to do if you had t on the field I think they're going to have to probably tell Jake Browning to force the ball to Jamar Chase a little bit. Jamar was targeted, I think, six times uh, against Pittsburgh, and two of the balls that Jamar caught were actually balls that were tipped by Steelers players. Uh, and so, you know, the the numbers ended up looking good, but in reality, those those are passes. One of them should have been picked off. Um Jamar Chase is the real deal, man. Now, you know, it's a lot easier to be the real deal when you have Joe Burrow throwing you the football. But when this team has played with desperation this year, when they started 0-2 and played the Rams, when they were 1-4 and and they went to Arizona, when they played the 49ers coming off a bye, Jamar Chase got over 10 targets. Heck, in the uh, the Arizona game, he had 19 targets. That's with Joe Burrow playing quarterback. 
I think if you're the coaches, look, uh, Jake, if you're going to go down, go down throwing to your best guy. Now, part of it last week, the Bengals only ran 41 offensive plays, and so that kind of cut into the touches that everybody is going to get. But uh, Jamar's a great route runner. He's terrific at getting open. Um, he can run every route on the tree. If you put him in single coverage, that's that's typically that's typically a recipe for disaster. I think if the Bengals have been guilty of anything, regardless of who the quarterback has been, at times they've gotten away from throwing him the football. And you've seen that, I think, over the last three or four games. When this offense has been at its best, it's when the Bengals have played desperate. And when they have played desperate, they have said, you know what? We're getting the ball to our best guy in a variety of ways. And uh, it's worked. If it's worked with Joe Burrow, it's, you're going to have to figure out how to make it work with, uh, with Jake Browning. To be able to have a shot, at least, to get Chase the ball consistently in the pass game, the Bengals are going to have to try to find a way to block the AFC Defensive Player of the Week in Josh Allen. He had two and a half sacks against Houston, which has now put him in second place in Jaguars team history in terms of sacks overall. And he's got 12 and a half on the season. That's already a season best for him, topping his 10 and a half in 2019, which was his rookie year in the NFL. How, if there is even a way, can Cincinnati go about trying to block this guy? Um, this is a stupid answer. But with, with the Bengals this year, if you think of two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl, Everybody remembers the offensive line that they used against uh, the Tennessee Titans in the divisional round when Joe Burrow was sacked 10 times. Um, and that's an offensive line that like four guys were getting beat at once. Um, the offensive <laughs> line is better that now when one guy gets to the quarterback, he typically doesn't have a lot of company. So the weird answer for me is, Block everybody else and tell Jake Browning, who's a pretty mobile guy, you're just going to have to figure out ways to run away from Josh Allen. You're going to have to figure out ways to uh, to extend plays when he's coming after you. You're going to have to figure out ways to not turn to, to, to not turn the football over uh, when, when he's in your face because, you know, you've obviously watched him more than I have, but I've watched him enough, you know, there isn't one offensive lineman who's capable on the Bengals of of slowing him down across the course of the game. I think the key to the offensive success the Bengals have had relative to their offensive line play is the pockets haven't collapsed entirely the way they were two years ago. Now, Joe Burrow is among the best at being able to make magic when one guy is chasing him down. Obviously, Jake Browning isn't Joe Burrow. But that's kind of been their offensive M.O., is all right, you know, we're we're not going to be able to block uh, every guy, but we got to be able to block most. And if we, you know, leave one guy unblocked or one guy beats his man on a certain play, we trust our quarterback to be able to get out of trouble and still uh, get the ball downfield. Easier to do when you have Joe Burrow, less easy to do when you have uh, Jake Browning. I think the other thing that's going to be interesting about this, though, you know, last year on passing downs, the last two years, the Bengals used Samaj P. Ryan in the backfield. Uh, and one of the reasons why he was a very good pass blocker, uh, a pass protector, a running back. Samaj P. Ryan left this offseason. That has never been a strength of Joe Mixon's. Never. At any point has that been a strength of Joe's. Uh, Joe is, is also, he's probably lost his step. So 
I think it's going to be interesting to see. Do the Bengals use Monday night to start transitioning to Chase Brown in the backfield or giving some of the other guys an opportunity for snaps like Travion Williams? And when called upon, specifically on passing downs, can those guys help? Can they pick up blitzers? Can they chip guys off the edge? Can they pick up a guy before uh, you know one of them gets, gets to his quarterback? With Joe Mixon, for, for all that he has accomplished here, when he's been in in pass pro, it's, it's often led to a disaster. Thinking that they're going to use less of him just in the running game, not to mention in the offense overall, part of what where I think we're going to start to find out is if some of these other guys can help out in pass protection. Uh, because Samaj P. Ryan was so vital in that role the last two years, and they just haven't found anybody who could do what he did. I mean, I don't think it's so much of a stupid answer. You probably don't want Josh Allen running free all the time. But to your point, Allen has 12 sacks on the season. Yeah. But the next closest guy on the Jags is Trayvon Walker with four and a half. And then it's Foye Aluakun, the linebacker, with two and a half. So it's not like they have this bookend tandem or a bunch of guys that are getting to the quarterback. It's kind of like stop that one guy. And they've been looking for, especially Walker, Jags fans have, to step up and consistently get after the quarterback. So I kind of know what you mean. And I don't think that really as stupid of an answer as you think overall, is there something that really sticks out about the Bengals? So we haven't gone over yet before I ask you one more question to get us out of here that really jumps out that you want Jags fans to know about this game or this team. Well, the obvious uh, as an NFL fan, you know, I would imagine when you were looking at the slate of primetime games, a chance to watch Burrow versus Lawrence it stood out, right? It's late in the season. Uh, it's two of the end of the AFC's final four from a year ago. And so th- the game has really lost its luster. I-, I think if there's if there's anything I would sort of impart to people, it's it's that a what what the Bengals are dealing with right now is the first real criticism slash skepticism that we've had here uh, since Zach Taylor became the head coach that's being aimed at the coaching staff. You know, uh, even year one, they went two and 14, but everybody understood he inherited a bad team. They didn't have their quarterback yet. They weren't going to be very good. And plus everybody was just happy. It wasn't Marvin Lewis anymore. 2020, they get Joe Burrow. Joe gets hurt. He doesn't play the last six games all right, you're kind of giving the coaching staff a pass. 21 and 22, a lot of success. Uh, 22 regular season wins and five postseason wins. And, uh, you know, the the quarterback gets most of the credit. The the team itself was really well built. Some would say the coaching staff was along for the ride. I don't think that's a fair assessment. I think the coaching staff had a major hand in all the success that they've had. But this season, I don't think the staff has done a very good job. Uh, I think if you look at the – the 11-game body of work so far, it's been bookended by how they played week one with Joe when he was coming off a calf issue, and the Bengals looked blatantly unprepared. And then this past Sunday, when it looked like the coaching staff threw up his hands and said, we don't have answers for how to beat this Pittsburgh offense, I think you know, you're going to hear, if you listen to people in Cincinnati, they're going to mention, well, Zach's 4-20 and without Joe Burrow. I think that's a little unfair to keep bringing up, but 
I, I think I think a lot of folks went into the game last week thinking, all right, now we're going to find out how good this staff is. We're going to find out if some of the decisions the front office made have been the right decisions, if they've really built a good enough team around Joe Burrow. Now that Joe's not here, all those things, you know, they, they become so much more front and center. And they fell flat on their face against Pittsburgh. And what that has resulted in is – you know, people understand Zach Taylor's not on the hot seat. He's not going to be fired. Hell, if Marvin Lewis got 16 years, uh, Zach Taylor will be coaching when my my grandkids are are going to get. <laughs> but but I I do think for the first time in in quite a while, there's anger. But but it's not anger. It's it's just legitimate like skepticism. Okay, do the Bengals do they are these coaches really good? Uh, and I I, I think if. If, if things unfold over the next six games the way everybody fears, that those are going to be the, the questions that sort of dot the first part of the offseason here in Cincinnati. The Jaguars enter as around eight-and-a-half-point favorites for their first game again on Monday Night Football since 2011. Is there any way or ways since he could pull off a primetime upset? Well, their uh, record in primetime games uh, was, uh, on the road is well-documented. They haven't won one since uh, 2012 uh, when they beat the Eagles on a Thursday night. So they've had a lot of opportunities. Um, obviously, a large chunk of those games occurred when Andy Dalton was the quarterback and Marvin Lewis was still the head coach. L- let's be honest, it- it's not likely. Uh, you know, is, is covering the eight and a half possible? It's a big number. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him to cover, but to, to win the game with a backup quarterback making his second start, J- Jacksonville would be favored in this game if Joe Burrow was playing. He's not. Uh, and, and so I don't know how you reasonably make the case that the Bengals can go to Jacksonville at night and beat a good team on the road. I, I, I have a hard time. Based on what I watched on Sunday, against Pittsburgh, uh, I, I find it hard to believe that from an offensive perspective, they could do enough to, to win this football game. We'll find out on Monday night, Mo. We appreciate your honesty and insight into the Bengals. Thanks for coming on the Believe in Jaguar show presented by BetOnline.com. Enjoyed it, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.